Alright everyone, welcome back to the Digital Deep Dive show with me, Reed Daly. In episode number five, we jump into a few stories about what's going on in the world of business and tech. For story number one, we're going to talk about some of the updates on features and product or company from Twitter and the, uh, the team over there. Next, we're going to talk about a competitor that's coming up into the sort of Twitter social space called Post News. Next, we're going to jump into unlocking some of the data from the good people over at Adobe on what transpired from Black Friday. Jumping then into the state of marketing, uh, thanks to Salesforce and their eighth edition of the state of marketing. Moving into something a little less, uh, you know, business-oriented and more just good old clean tech fun, which is the new festival lineup app that everyone is playing with, thanks to a new USC computer scientist. And then we're going to round out the show talking about some of the information coming out of uh, or, or reports coming out of Forbes and their annual 30 for 30 in the manufacturing space. Uh, a couple other things that I do want to highlight are you know some of the podcasts that I am interested in. So you got to stick on to the show and we'll jump into one of the ones that I'm really excited about. And then we're going to talk about some of the stuff that I am doing in and around Asana. Uh, before we jump into the show, I just want to remind you that all ideas, thoughts, opinions are my own. You can like, follow, and subscribe to the Digital Deep Dive podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. You can also check out the Digital Deep Dive show on all major social media platforms. So that is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now even on YouTube. And it's at the Digital 3, like the number 3 show. And with that said, let's jump into the show. So the first story we're going to talk about is Elon's Twitter. So he's been at the helm for a number of weeks now. And uh, yes, there's been a ton of headlines and press about opinions and sort of enabling folks who had been removed from the platform back onto the platform. I'm not really going to highlight or comment on those. I'm really just more talking about kind of the features and the product roadmap uh, or company roadmap. So in terms of features, and, and these were reported via um, Elon's tweets that were, uh, you know, presumably excerpts from their uh, recent, uh, you know, management presentation. So they are going to be working on encrypted DMs, long form tweets, relaunching blue verified uh, program, and then payments. So in terms of the encrypted DMs, you're just seeing an uptick in a lot of these direct messaging uh, capabilities on various social platforms sort of move to that as the default standards. I know that Google's actually leveraging this narrative to go after uh, Apple and their stronghold on the iMessage, uh, you know, um, stronghold they have on that capability and trying to, you know, highlight the fact that Apple maybe isn't as encrypted as it should be. Obviously, that's, you know, Google fighting Apple there and has nothing to do with Twitter. Long-form tweets are coming out. You know, a number of years ago, Twitter increased the character limit for tweets, and I think there might be an opportunity to expand beyond that. Of course, you can just break your tweets up into multiple tweets or, you know, kind of type up your paragraph and then tweet it across a variety of different um, 
you know, tweets. Another way that I've seen people do that is just type something up in the notes on their phone and then take a screenshot of that and then tweet the image. Uh, the relaunching the blue verified program. So they want to charge individuals $8 and I'm, I'm just totally like, this is my comment here, obviously. I don't understand why I would pay Twitter $8 for what seems to be not that much of an uptick in terms of feature sets, and I just get some blue check mark. Okay, I don't really care to be verified. Now, what would be cool is if I did get verified, would that unlock uh, you know, a richer set of capabilities, or would I get you know, more greater privileges, like maybe high-def videos, high-def images, maybe I could upload longer-formed audio or video compared to the average non-paying user. Now, in terms of payments, I mean, this makes sense for a variety of reasons. One, Elon and his, uh, you know, his team were the founders of PayPal, and so they would presumably have some background and, and you know, are up to speed in terms of what are some of the options of, of payment processors. I also think or hope that they'll do some way with uh, micropayments to certain, uh, you know, paywall websites like New York Times, like Wall Street Journal, pick any of your favorite um, paywall news ads or not news ads, but news uh, platforms and just the ability to do like a micropayment when you do see an article and, you know, possibly over time, if you, you know, made a series of payments, let's like say the magic number is you read 20 articles from the New York times, maybe at that point, New York times says, Hey, like you're consuming a lot of content. We'd like for you to become a paid subscriber, or we're going to throttle you back. I think it'd be a really good way to not only, you know, get people the, or allow people the ability to experience, you know, those platforms, but, uh, you know, as, as they sort of start to consume more, they basically, the platforms themselves say, hey, you clearly like our content. Why don't you start paying for it and you get greater access to it over time. Now, let's switch from the feature sets on the product itself to the, the, the company updates and kind of where they're headed. So they highlighted the fact that they are doing recruiting. Uh, they said that new user signups are at an all-time high. User active minutes are also at an all-time high. Monthly, daily active users have passed the quarter billion mark. And uh, they've said that they've seen a dip in the uh, hate impressions, that they saw a big spike in October. Um, one of the things that Elon came out and said, and so this is his opinion, this was not part of the management presentation, but he sees a path to 1 billion users within 12 to 18 months uh, if they can roll out additional features that make the app more sticky. It's slightly ambitious, uh, and obviously they need to take not necessarily market share away, and that's the one thing that I think is, is interesting with these social media apps. It's not that I need to steal market share. I just need to um, steal kind of the, the maybe the active minutes. So you can still be on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, pick your other platform, but you can jump over to Twitter. And I think over the last you know couple of weeks since Elon's taking over, I've been really interested in what he's having to say and what's going on with the app itself i've really started to jump into twitter spaces and i find that really interesting i jumped in and listened to an interview with um, uh, sam bankman fried and it was just really cool to hear that in real time i felt like it was part of like the you know the the news being 
reported out versus like uh, or news being created versus being reported out. I suppose there's no difference to this in watching TV when they're doing an interview. It just felt more personal because it was in my pocket with my phone and I was walking around. All right, so let's jump from story number one, which is all about Twitter to a competitor. So news posts, or sorry, I think the, the official name is Post News. Um, and this is a uh, social platform for real people, real news, and civil conversations, or at least that's their tagline. And so the subheader from them, and I'm going to read this word for word, is remember when social media was fun? Introduced, introduced you to big ideas and cool people and actually made you smarter? Remember when it w didn't waste your time and make you angry or sad? When you could disagree with someone without being threatened or insulted? We want to bring that back with posts. So what do you actually do with a post? You can write a post of any length and share them broadly. So it's not a micro post. It's not a long form post. It's whatever you want. You can comment, like, share, and repost content with your opinions. Buy individual articles from different premium news providers so you can ask, access multiple uh, perspectives, not just the ones you're subscribed to. You can read content from various sources in a clean interface without jumping into different websites. And you can have meaningful discussions with friends, strangers, experts, and leaders. And for tip creators of engagement content to help them create more of it via integrated micropayments. So it really sounds like a lot of the sort of what things that I don't like and many others don't like about Twitter, Post News is really trying to address. I love the idea that they're, they're giving you the ability to tip creators. I think YouTube is now doing this where if you like some content, you can actually do a micropayment. Um, so why this matters? Post News has some similar basic functionality to Twitter. You make posts, you can like, repost them, you can comment on people's posts. You can also fi fo follow interesting accounts. Uh, it is in the beta uh, function. So I, I think what happened was they were bringing this company to market. And because of everything that was going on with uh, Twitter and uh, Elon, they wanted to bring this faster to market and that's not my perspective the uh, the founder actually came out and said that on i think it was either pivot or the kara no it was pivot with kara swisher and scott gallo who coincidentally scott is an investor so if you do follow the prop d show um you know he is an investor and then kara swisher his co-host is an independent advisor not an independent is an advisor to the ceo and so some background on the CEO. He was the CEO of Waze that sold to Google, and they really viewed Waze as a, an ecosystem and not just a navigation app. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I get the, the premise of his description there. And, uh, you know, from one last quote here that I really liked, Post News is trying to capitalize on the virtual water cooler of journalists side of Twitter. The platform describes itself as a place to access premium news content without subscriptions or ads. News publishers and independent writers have encouraged uh, to share their articles on post nudes under a paywall. The idea is that it would allow users to pay for individual articles from a variety of news sources. It's an alternative or supplement to paying for individual subscriptions to specific news sources. So I just tried to sign up for an account. Uh, like I said, it's in beta. 
And if you want to kind of move up in the line or the queue, if you recommend it to five different individuals and they also sign up for it and you, you get a, um, a special referral code uh, from them in your inbox, uh, that will hopefully move you up into the, uh, the queue. I've not been able to access the platform, obviously. As soon as I do, I will share my thoughts and ideas from that. Okay, so we're going to jump from social media into the world of commerce. And thanks to the good people over at Adobe, they've published a really fantastic uh, season shopping trends report. Uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, in terms of the data was that uh, in an estimate this year, they are forecasting that the um, they'll see a $210 billion, which is a slight increase from last year, which was $205 a billion dollars. Uh, you're going to see that on Black Friday it was 9.12 billion. F interestingly enough, you saw an uptick on Cyber Monday for 11.3 billion. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to see is just like the step down from this year, last year, and then sort of in the pandemic. So in the pandemic, you saw 188 billion dollars in revenue. Uh, the, you know, kind of 2021, uh, 205, and then now we're at 210, uh, you know, billion dollars in revenue, where the biggest products that were being looked at for 2022 are AirPods, Squishamellos, Air Fryers, FIFA 23, and LOL Surprise. So two out of the three are for kids, or sorry, two out of the five are for kids, FIFA is for all gamers and kind of, um, you know, video game people. Air fryers for homes and then AirPods because everyone loves them. It's one of Apple's, you know, premier products. Uh, the biggest thing that I would say that was more interesting in terms of just some of the data was the fact that you saw, you know, the largest uh, discounting happening in apparel and you saw much fewer discounting in toys. And I wonder if that's just because there's less places to get them, right? You, yes, um, Toys R Us has come back, but uh, you don't have the big toy stores you used to have. So I wonder if it's just, you kind of have Target and uh, you know maybe Walmart and Amazon, and that's it in terms of where you get toys. So they don't have to offer as many discounts. Not really sure about that. And then in terms of products that, I thought were also really interesting to see is furniture of all things had huge discounting, uh, you know, earlier in October, but has significantly dropped in terms of their willingness to provide those discountings. Whereas, you know, one of the biggest things that I would have seen, uh, you know, in terms of like sporting goods and sporting good apparel, that doesn't seem to like really jump up or down. It's pretty neutral there. Uh, same with uh, televisions. I mean, they've they've given fewer and fewer discounts. One would assume they've probably already sold through some of those things. So interesting uh, view. Uh, you know, if you're less familiar with Adobe on terms of why they'd be offering this, they do have their experience cloud. They're doing a ton of work through Marketo so they can get access to that data. So it's always interesting to see. All right, we're going to jump from one sort of software company into the other and we're going to jump into Salesforce's eighth edition of the state of marketing. Uh, it's insights and trends from 6,000 marketers with over 2 trillion outbound marketing communications. 
So I'm going to read just a little bit here. So Sarah Franklin, president and CEO of Salesforce, or sorry, CMO of Salesforce. We've been through so much in the past few years, adapting our strategies and practices to navigate a rapidly changing and challenging environment. Companies everywhere are looking for their CMOs and marketing teams to meet customers' digital first expectations, do more with less in the face of economic headwinds, and accommodate evolving data privacy laws to prepare for a cookie-less future. Okay, so Salesforce collected insights from marketing leaders worldwide to understand how they're prioritizing their efforts in this new day. And what we did discover is in the year's uh, state of marketing, so the report that I'm talking through, marketing businesses are leading with values while embracing optimism and innovation. They're prioritizing driving as much as value as possible from existing tools and technologies while focusing on new investments in key areas like automation and productivity. So this is words or, you know, her, her words are music to my ears because this is what I've been, you know, sort of um, driving home to my team and to customers that I work with. Just the fact that we are going into sort of headwinds of economic downturn and you're going to have to do more with less and, you're going to have to drink, drive value and uh, bring value to your customers. And the biggest thing that I'm super bullish on for 2023 through, let's say, 2025 is just the final or finally uh, organizations embracing automation, you know, uh, outside of just the IT function. Uh, and I know we're talking about marketing here, but that's just one of the big things. Um, in terms of let's 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 break down some of the things that we saw in this report. So from the marketing uh, performance levels throughout the report, they classified uh, survey respondents across the following tiers. So, fifteen percent of folks surveyed, so those six thousand people surveyed. Uh, you know, were completely satisfied with their overall marketing performance and the outcomes of their marketing investments. 18% thought that marketing underperformed moderately or less than satisfied with their overall performance. And then 67% uh, thought marketing was performing and met needs. And so um, I, I want to kind of like maybe go back and look at the trend data here. They have done this over the last 18, or sorry, eight years. So it'd be interesting to see how that trend data has evolved and what people's opinions are of their marketing things. Um, in terms of the you know kind of things that I took away were really two things, that our uh, brands are investing in a combination of channels and technologies to reach their audience and build lasting customer relationships. 83% of marketers say their marketing organization engages customers in real time across one or more marketing channels. That is pretty incredible. One would assume that the, um, they would draw a correlation that COVID was an accelerant to that, that you know brands needed to find ways to seamlessly engage with their customers, but the fact that they're doing it across multiple channels and able to kind of coordinate that information is pretty impressive, pretty remarkable. Uh, KPI shifts as marketers adopt real-time intelligence was another thing that I that struck me in this report. Across every stage of the, the marketing funnel, marketers are tracking more metrics year over year than ever before. Speed to insights remains a competitive advantage with 72% of high-performing marketers able to analyze market performance in real time. And I think that's 
you know, increasingly important. Not only is it uh, critical to be able to engage with the right sort of point of view or kind of piece of information to your customer at the right time, but it's also critical to help in terms of your product segmentation, your product development, your sort of bottom of the funnel activities in terms of conversion and how you can do that more effectively uh, through the use of real-time data. So head over to uh, Salesforce. You can uh, download the PDF and read the whole report. They always do a great job and uh, looking forward to uh, you know hearing your feedback on the state of the marketing report and if you agree or disagree with some of their you know observations and key takeaways all right moving from salesforce and their market report we're going to talk about the uh the forbes uh, annual 30 for 30 and uh one of the subsections that i'm increasingly uh, interested in over the the last few years which is the manufacturing and industry section uh for those of you listening to the show i spent a fair bit of my time working with owner operators in the manufacturing and distribution space. I think that uh, manufacturing is just one of the most fascinating industries. Obviously, uh, you know, I look at how digital technology can enable the organization to run more effectively and efficiently to not only impact bottom line and uh, top line initiatives, but uh, expand the, uh, the reach of the organization at large. So uh, over the next you know, few weeks, I'll be highlighting some of the individuals called out in the 30 for 30 report from Forbes. And Jack Slatnik is the founder of the CEO Wireless Charging Air. I think it's pronounced Air or Area. It's A-I-R-A. Uh, conventional wireless chargers deliver power only when the devices are precisely aligned, but Area's uh, pad is active from corner to corner, ensuring devices charge no matter where they're placed. Uh, he was one of the winners of Shark Tank, and uh, they raised $12 million. And I'll just be honest, like in front of my desk, I've got a, you know, okay case on my iPhone, and I've got actually the Apple little disc charger for my phone. And unless I put it perfectly on there, it doesn't want to charge. So having one of these uh, you know, sort of standing or charging mats next to my bed or on my desk would be kind of ideal just because I could put it there and I don't have to worry about getting it perfectly on there. Um, what I'm going to do in the show notes is link to his website. Uh, that's AIRAPower.com as well as his LinkedIn. And hats off to you, Jake, and your team uh, for making the uh, Forbes 30 under 30. So we're going to wrap up the, you know, what's happening in the news section or kind of news in tech, if you will, with uh, talking about a really fun story, which is uh, called InstaFest. This was developed by Anshe Sabu. Uh, he is a USC computer science uh, you know, student. And so the idea is that InstaFest integrates with uh, Spotify. And I think the Apple pod or sorry, Apple Music is coming from what I saw on his website. So it basically looks at your past listening history over the last, I think it was year, all time, and uh, six months, and then puts together kind of like a Coachella-looking uh, lineup. And uh, the quote, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing this, was the fact that he was just kind of curious to what was going to be out in 
the world of Coachella's announcement because they do this sort of like three-day, you know, flyer that everyone knows and loves and said, let me go build this. And so I don't know what the intent of it is. There's no monetization there. So I have no idea how he's looking to monetize this, but it was pretty smart that on the app, he linked to his Twitter followers or Twitter account. So when I think I looked at it for the first time, he was at maybe like 3000 followers. And when I looked back uh, recording this show, I think he was up to 4000 followers. So, you know, he gained at least a thousand followers. I sent him a tweet and said hats off, you know, to him for making this. I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so we're going to move from news and tech to highlighting some stuff that I'm just really enjoying listening to and learning from. So the spotlight, uh, podcast spotlight for this week is from the good folks over at A16Z. And uh, the episode is M&A before and after what founders need to know. So I'm just give you the, the background of the show and then the episode kind of highlights. So the A16Z podcast discusses tech and cultural trends, news and futures, especially as software software eats the world. It features industry experts, business leaders, and other interesting thinkers and voices from around the world. The podcast is produced by Andrew, or sorry, uh, the uh, A16Z, a silicon-based venture capital firm. Multiple episodes are released every week. Visit a16z.com for more details and go sign up for newsletters and other contests as well. Okay, so why I liked this particular episode. So welcome to the A16Z podcast. Uh, They were talking about mindsets and frameworks for founders uh, should know about when navigating the mergers and acquisitions or M&A process, both before and after, including how to think about pricing dynamics, factors that go into decision-making process, and what to expect from integration once a deal is done. Obviously, this is near and dear to my heart because this is a lot of the work that I do in my day job. And, uh, you know, I thought that the uh, A16Z team uh, did a fantastic job of just running this through in terms of what a founder needs to think about uh, you know, from a, you know an M&A perspective. So if you are thinking about, you know, jumping into the venture space or you're about to go through any M&A work, I highly recommend having a listen to this. I will link the show episode into the show notes. I will also make sure that we tweet out all the information and show notes via the digital 3D show on Twitter. Okay, so the last piece I want to talk about is is just a glimpse into one of the apps that I've been using more recently and then talk about you know, how you guys want to see some of the sort of more deep dive on what's what I'm using it or how I'm using this, this solution. So I use Asana uh, for a lot of my like sort of day-to-day task management, less on the goal setting, but generally like it helps me try to figure out what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, and kind of prioritize things. And yes, there are other solutions out in the marketplace. Uh, I'm a Mac user, so you've got the Reminders app. Microsoft has their versions of this. And, you know, I've just gravitated to using Asana more recently. And uh, one of the things that I've been doing is building a content calendar with it, as well as looking at sort of my end of day checklists and my sort of prioritization of tasks. But the biggest thing that I'm using for is its template function. So it's got this fantastic uh, library of templates and I've created a couple of my own. Uh, Some of them are um, 
you know, as basic as like my end of day or end of week wrap. I also have a template for just my social media calendar. But uh, I'm very interested in how others are using Asana. So hit me up uh, at Reed Daily on Twitter and let me know how you're using it. And I think what, what I'm going to do on this one is do sort of a YouTube series on how I'm using the, the product and some of the features that I find are most interesting and then get your sort of two cents on how you guys are using it and how you guys are thinking that it can help you optimize your day, your week, your year. Uh, but always welcome feedback on that. All right, that wraps it up for this week's uh, Digital Deep Dive show. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the, uh, the show on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget to find me on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Reed Daily, R-E-E-D-D-A-I-L-E-Y. And uh, just to be clear, the show is Digital 3D Show. And it's, uh, you know, because I picked that name, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So I hope you enjoy the episode and looking forward to catching you guys next week. Thanks.